The Challenge of Waste, Section 5. What is Waste? In spite of the fact that industrial waste has long been a matter of interest and speculation, it has never been subjected to much critical analysis. It has, for the most part, been developed as a patchwork of uncorrelated observations. What has been particularly lacking has been the absence of any reliable standard by which waste may be measured. People tend to think of waste, when they think of it at all, in two categories, garbage cans and tailor systems. They think of waste paper, refuse, sewage, odds and ends generally. They think of the patriotic exertions of fellow townsmen beseeching them to win the war by bailing their Sunday newspapers or by saving their peach stones. The Department of Commerce instituted a waste reclamation service to promote just this sort of thing. And, of course, waste of this nature is a real economic problem. There are many interesting methods abroad, technical and otherwise, for turning refuse normally thrown away into valuable products. But when all is said and done, this type of waste is only a drop in the bucket from the standpoint of an airplane view of the whole industrial system. Businessmen think of waste as synonymous with inefficiency, connoting in turn all the hue and cry of the past ten years in pursuit of the goddess efficiency. How many youths have knelt, their correspondence schoolbooks in their hands, before this deity? Pep, efficiency, success, the holy trinity. But efficiency, thus pursued, is only another method of increasing profit under the price system. It deals with means, not ends. It provides methods, and often very sound ones, for reducing costs, increasing output, and getting the windward of one's competitors. But it is to be doubted if businessmen would be interested in a universal installation of efficiency methods, resulting in lower industrial costs, but unchanged profit levels. The widespread use of what Veblen calls business-like sabotage makes it perfectly evident that efficiency from the social point of view is never contemplated for a moment. The captain of industry uses efficiency devices if they promise to increase his profit. On the other hand, he will strangulate an industry, cane sugar for instance, if that offers a better chance of strengthening his balance sheet. Efficiency is only one of the weapons in his armory. It may be used for social or for anti-social ends. Not in cost systems, adding machines or even discredited methods of bricklaying is the heart of the problem of waste to be found any more than in the garbage pail. An efficiency system can be introduced into a factory which manufactures poison gas or patent medicines. A sound theory of waste, as we shall see, would refuse to recognize the necessity of making poison gas or quack remedies at all. No, the question of waste must be approached with fresh eyes, which see the economic process as a whole, which see particularly the physical stuff, of things under the metaphysics of money and credit and price. The Fuel Administration, from its high central tower, did not cast a budget in terms of money, but one in terms of tons of coal. Dollar bills under a boiler never raised a pound of steam. There is of course no department of life or industry in which, from some more or less logical viewpoint, statistics of waste could not be compiled, heart-rending statistics. But with the shifting and changing of these viewpoints, all hope of an authentic case against waste, and particularly its quantitative measurement, tends to vanish. Thus the vegetarian points out with unimpeachable accuracy that for one unit of human food value found in beef, 
16 units have been sacrificed in the corn which feeds the steer. Here is a very wasteful process indeed from a certain standpoint, but the stubborn fact remains that most Americans demand beef. Again, the anti-nicotine advocate appalls us with the sheer waste involved in growing, manufacturing, and selling a minor poison. But tobacco has reached a position of a necessity in the working man's budget. It cannot be eliminated out of hand. Again, some inquisitive citizen with a mathematical turn of mind will calculate the potential horsepower of all the rivers of a continent, compare it with the developed water power, and write the balance off as waste in the Sunday supplement. The scientific woods are full of such charming followers of the absolute. It is the very diversity of these standpoints which gives us pause, and makes it imperative that we find, if possible, a lowest denominator which will pass the pragmatic test as a genuine measure of waste. Before the deficiency of a thing can be measured, a standard of judgment must be set up. Waste cannot be measured or even condemned unless the clear potentialities of a non-waste method are established. Years ago, before the first steam engine, there was no waste in pumping out coal mines by hand. The better method lay in the womb of time. In the last analysis, the sole aim of an economic system is to supply the wants of man. It is quite obvious that the present system is mainly concerned with supplying money profits to certain favored individuals with the satisfaction of wants coming in the back door as a byproduct. But by and large, from century to century, men work in order that they may eat, and sometimes for the fun of working. If we can define the wants of man, we have then a yardstick which may be clapped down over any industrial system to determine, first, how far the system is concerned with producing such wants, second, how efficiently it uses available technical knowledge to produce them, third, what proportion of the population are failing to receive the quota as defined? What are the wants of men? Here the cynic waits for the whole theory to collapse on its own threshold. What god or demon will draw a ring around the wants of man and yoke to the statistician's plow? Agreed, gentlemen. The wants of man are impossible of exact definition. They are constantly growing, shrinking, changing. In a certain sense they are different for every living person. One man's meat is sometimes another man's poison. Any allowable definition of the wants of man must be built without a roof. It must be open to the sky. What does man want? Life, a more abundant life. Bread and beauty, if you please. Our cynic as well as our artist must agree to this. What constitutes a more abundant life? More bread, more beauty. And we cannot permit cynics and artists to argue that this does not include certain unchanging classifications of wants, which the facts as to man's place in nature render imperative. Thus everyone must eat, and he must eat certain combinations of proteins, fats, carbohydrates, together with the accessory vitamins, or he sickens and dies, and his aesthetic wants become a matter of very secondary consideration. He must in certain climates have clothes to wear to keep him from cold or heat, and in nearly all climates he must have a house or shelter of some sort in which to live, and particularly to protect his children. Food, shelter, and clothing comprise the most elementary wants of man. After them follow other classifications, 
almost equally essential to mankind in civilized communities. The development of communication between people, channels without which human society is impossible, an alphabet, a language, books, education, are all imperative wants of man. Religion of some sort he wants. Art he demands. Music, painting, architecture and design, poetry, literature and the theater. Recreation and play he wants. Dancing, running, swimming, mountain climbing, games. The latter is a very fundamental want, for the body declines rapidly if it is not satisfied. Health he wants, and the services of doctors, nurses, hospitals, sanitary measures. Love he wants, not only sexual, but all the pleasant relationships of family and friends. Some men just want to know. They are moved by a divine curiosity. We call what they do pure science, and it is one of the most precious of man's wants. A system of production which turns out the facilities for satisfying these wants, in reasonable abundance, and in some sort of relative balance, can be taken as a non-wasteful system so far as its aims are concerned. The technical efficiency of the process involved, and whether or not unnecessary labor energy is consumed therein, is a further question which demands attention, and which we will discuss presently. Thank you.